1: What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Longview Podcast. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, and we are recording this live on Tuesday, April 5th, right before the Grizzlies take on the Utah Jazz at 8 p.m. Central Time. So you're probably listening to this the morning after. So, But there's going to be nothing spoiling the game or anything because we're here to talk about the Memphis Hustle. But first, before I introduce my guest, let me tell you how you can keep in touch with the podcast. The Longview Podcast is a podcast on the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network where you can find every single episode of Longview, GBB Live, the 3&D Podcast, and the Starting 5 Podcast. It's wherever you get your podcast: Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcast. And Grizzly Bear Blues is a blog under SB Nation. You can find it on the web at grizzlybearblues.com or on Twitter at s b n Grizzlies. Once again, I'm your host, Parker Fleming, and with me is none other than uh, the other associate editor over at Grizzly Beer Blues. He is none other than Mr. Hustle himself, Brandon Abraham. Brandon, how's it going, man?
0: You know how it's going, man. Just living the
1: dream. How about yourself? I was, I was waiting for that. that. That really just kind of drives me <laughs> in this podcast, is just hearing the living the dream. But yeah, you know, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, you know, going out of town this weekend uh, should be a good little reset before the playoffs get underway because hopefully we're entering a, a, a postseason. You know, I'm knocking on every sort of wood available here. Hopefully, we're entering a, a time where we transition pretty quickly from. Uh, playoff coverage to draft coverage to free agent coverage. So we're, we're about to have a pretty fun uh, three months or so on the blog. So getting this little weekend coming up to relax, it's definitely going to be nice. And I appreciate people like you and Brandon Smart, who uh, kind of cover for me in that sense. But we're, we're on this show today because if you keep up with Brandon's work on Goods Bear Blues, particularly with the Memphis Hustle, um you, the Memphis Hustle season just ended on Saturday as they did not reach the the postseason um but it was once again another great season of coverage for Brandon just continuing to uh just get in his bag when it covers the G League and continue to add more ways in which he's covering covering the Memphis Hustle uh whether it's his hustle reports or his live tweeting his uh insight from uh the player and coaches availability and also to uh, using this uh, platform, the Long View with the Core Four podcast to uh, interview hustle personnel. So, um, Brandon, let's, let's start off with this. Uh, so, the Memphis Hustle, they didn't make the playoffs, but what, what were some of your uh, what's your main takeaway with this season for them?
0: Well, it's it's a little tricky. Like you never want to sound like you're making an excuse for anybody or anything, but I mean, my biggest takeaway was that the injuries really just kind of screwed the hustle from the get-go. You know, really kind of, I was working on my hustle report that will be going live tomorrow. So by the time people are listening to this, go check out the blog, it'll be live there. Um, You know, the G League set up this year, if you're not familiar with it, um, they played 12 games, Um, kind of in like a little baseball series with like two games against the team. And that was all leading up to the Showcase Cup. And then like the top teams played for money and then the other teams played two games. So basically the season split up into two windows. They played 14 games, then had a break and then picked back up, you know, beginning of January to play a 36 game regular season. That season was delayed with all the players in the G League being called up to the NBA. So every team kind of played 30-ish something games, but it wasn't an even amount across the board, like the NBA with their, you know, straight up 82 games. And my, my biggest takeaway is that the injuries just killed them because one Romeo Weems and Matt Hurt were supposed to be two key players strictly on the hustle roster who Played in less than ten games and suffered season-ending injuries, and then with the Grizzlies' own COVID issues, injuries throughout the year, they didn't get a ton of m- minutes from the Damas, the the Killian Tillies, the Jarrett Culvers. Uh, before he got, you know, basically his promotion, the uh, Killian Tillie was figured to be down there. He played well enough to get a contract with the Grizzlies. Um, They did replace him with Tyrell Terry, who played uh, 16 games, but it just kind of really kind of messed up their roster construction because looking more specifically at the regular season, they played 34 games and I'd say probably half of those, they had at max eight guys available to play. Um, Just Looking at like the average minutes players play, like both Shaq and Ahmad played over 35 minutes. The amount of times they played 40 plus on any given night was too many um, and, and it affected the hustle. Um, you know, it, it just really kind of wore them out. They struggled out of the gate. Um, once they got healthy, they went on an 8-2 run before ending the season with a little 1-3 and three spurt that ultimately kind of doomed them. But overall, they've kind of proved that when healthy and with the help of assignment players like Santi Aldama, that they can compete with some of the G League's best. They just unfortunately were only healthy for like the final 14
1: games. Yeah, and also one thing that you didn't even mention in that is you also had that weird – time in December, early January where we had the replacements era where players were going in and out of the G League pretty much. And not only were you having those G League guys, I know the hustle they had, Shaq Buchanan, uh, Amon Kaver, uh, Freddie Gillespie, they were all being called up. And then those players are being replaced by people in the G League pool. And it just kind of created this weird flux where there really wasn't any chance for um, anyone or really the hustle to get a rhythm in the G League is that kind of what you saw there Brandon it's just kind of a lack of rhythm because of all that player movement
0: yeah yeah definitely each team was impacted differently but every team was impacted um, for the hustle's sake like you know there was I don't remember the exact time frame but they was supposed to be about Two weeks, two and a half weeks, they had off between the showcase cup and the regular season tipping off. And most of that time was spent with not many guys available because of call ups. So, to you, to what you referenced, Freddie Gillespie, Shaq Buchanan, and Ahmad weren't with the team. You know, Shaq Buchanan was with the Grizzlies, entered protocols himself. So his return was delayed. Both Gillespie, Gillespie and Caver getting. 10 days with the Pacers and Magic they came back so like over a two-week stretch where you know in theory the team could relax but also practice they basically had two weeks off without much actual practice work and you know the hustle weren't the only team impacted by it but it definitely hurt them that you know and they had to delay the first few games of the regular season just because they didn't have enough healthy bodies at that point Matt Hurt hadn't officially been ruled out for the year with the season ending injury and they, they just didn't have the roster spots to field eight healthy and available players so the G League kind of almost hush hush wink wink just let them postpone those games. Um, and so like the hustle even started like five or six days after the G League season really did and it just they they had no rhythm to start everyone was getting back into it you know. Impact and it's what kind of led to the two and seven start, you know, through the first nine games of the regular season.
1: Right. But one thing that very much shined through with the hustle that I definitely saw through your hustle reports, it's just kind of like with the Grizzlies. And you also talked about how those two culture like the cultures just trickled down there. It's the next man up mentality was really embodied there. Uh, obviously, at the beginning of the season, they picked up Cameron Young from. Uh, I think he was just signed as a free agent, and he ended up averaging like twenty a game. And the Hustle were able to capitalize on his value to go get some more assets for the future. Uh, they picked up Ben Moore, EJ Onu, Damian Jefferson, and from from what I'll, I've always read with your Hustle reports and stuff is they got contributions across the board from whoever played, regardless of how long they've been with the team, when they got picked up, uh, how much practice time they had, stuff like that. So, Brandon, what is, what does that right there kind of show you about, you know, uh, Coach March's system or uh, the talent evaluation at hand with the Memphis Hustle?
0: Well, I mean, and I think it, it, you touched on it, it. It shows how in sync the Grizzlies and Hustle are with one another. Um, you know, they're not the only organization that – you know, has a close relationship with the G League affiliation, but there's definitely not a ton out there that can replicate what the Grizzlies and Hustle do. Um, you know, so it's definitely a culture, you know, Shaq Buchanan and Maude Caver the big kind of culture leaders with the Hustle. But yeah, I mean, Cameron Young gets waved by the South Bay Lakers, you know, I guess kind of like around the training camp period, comes in plays 18 games. with The Hustle averages 17.4, Four points per game, was easily their best three-point shooter on high volume on the year, shooting over 40%. Um defensively, there were some concerns. And, you know, he was kind of, you know, a one-trick pony, you know, a fantastic score could go get a bucket, you know, for a team that really needed it at times, but you know, wasn't, you know, necessarily the best defender and was inconsistent with rebounding and facilitating. They were able to sell high on him and get, you know, a couple of draft picks and the returning player rights to. Uh, I really like Levi Randolph, a former Alabama basketball player. Um, you know, and it's where the G League's tricky. There's, there's no telling if, you know, it's not really known if Levi Randolph's going to come back and play next year and play with the Hustle, or, you know, if it's just kind of something to get the trade, you know, processed. Um, The draft picks are kind of hit or miss. Both draft picks the hustle made this past year didn't make it through January. Um, But they they just do a good job of evaluating talent and being ready to make, you know, pick guys up and making them comfortable from the get go. I mean, Damian Jefferson kind of made Cameron Young expendable with his shot making abilities, Um, been more, you know, picked up out of the available player pool and was a walking double-double when he got the minutes. Um, You know, and even going down to kind of guys that didn't play a, a ton, like EJ Onu was more of a project pickup instead of a guy that was expected to play a ton right away. But he played, you know, early in his hustle tenure, a ton of games with Freddie gone and Freddie had injuries without Santi. So EJ played a good bit. You know, he was a league leader in the blocks per game just kind of before he was disqualified because he didn't play in enough games. Uh, But even just going out, like, Devin Whitfield appeared in three games. Like, the numbers don't jump out. 2.3 points, you know, nothing to really look at with assists or rebounds. But they would call him basically on game day if they needed somebody. And he he would show up and, you know, give you solid defense be in the right spot and to me it's just a little bit of a testament to the culture that they have set up to where guys like a Charles Matthew or Tyler Hagedorn can come in not really knowing the guys or the system and contribute right away um, and a lot of credit goes to Jason March and then as well as uh, Shaq Buchanan and Ahmad Kaver. This is Advertiser Content brought to you by Frito-Lay. Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes
1: ends 4-3-2023. Void or prohibitive. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.sbnation.com. Yeah, for sure. And those are two guys I really want to get to right here. Shot, uh, Shaq Buchanan and Amon Caver. Uh, it, it really looks like both of those guys had really just taken steps forward in their leadership, uh, their ability to serve and go to roles but also not just their ability to serve and go-to rules as scores, but also as playmakers. And both, both of those guys, you know, they got rewarded with little NBA deals uh, in the replacement player era with uh, as Shaq Buchanan uh, had a little bit of a stint with the Memphis Grizzlies and Amad Caver played a little bit with the Indiana Pacers. So just, I guess this is also like part of like the long view with this, like where, where is the NBA outlook with, Shaq Buchanan and Amon Caver, because I know it gets tricky when, you know, evaluating the G League because, you know, there's about five, I would probably say, you know, we have about like 450 spots. Um, I don't know if it's a 510 uh, with two-way guys, but, you know, there's only so many spots, but, you know, those two guys are two guys that have shown that they can play at that level. So where where do you see the NBA outlook for them uh, going into next year and potentially beyond for those two?
0: Yeah, so it's uh, definitely interesting. Uh, I'm interested to see how it kind of unfolds. Um, Three years is kind of a theme I've noticed in the G League where, you know, after a guy spends three years, they start to really, you know, evaluate other options. Um, you know, Dusty Hannah's left the hustle after three years, um, planned to play overseas, uh, then with the pandemic, ultimately wound up playing with uh, the Santa Cruz Warriors in the bubble and then has been playing with the Adelaide 36ers, uh, I think it's in Australia, um, this season. And so, you know, both Ahmad and Shaq just completed year three. They'll certainly evaluate Um Where they're what their next steps will be. I I think both have proven this year that they deserve a shot at the NBA level. Um, You know, Shaq Buchanan had career high scoring, 20.3 points per game, uh, and really kind of flashed his overall abilities six rebounds, 3.8 assists, uh, over two stocks per game. His efficiencies weren't super great. Uh, his 28.3% from the three-point line kind of jumps out as not good. But it's, it's one of those you have to look beyond the box score with it. Uh, he, he was a streaky shooter this year. I'm not going to come in here and act like, you know, Shaq and Steph are the same type of three-point shooters, but he's a better shooter than the percentages suggest. He averaged nearly eight attempts per game. And a lot of that was with him being one of the only, you know, primary scorers for the hustle. So he's got the opposing team's best defender on him. He's playing heavy minutes. And so it kind of took a toll a little bit on his offensive game. So his usage rate kind of led to some lower percentages, but he still averaged a career high in points um, and really kind of solidified himself as a three-level scorer. Um, certainly could still improve from the three-point line, but he just brings a certain intensity and IQ that, you know, would be contagious to a team off the bench. Um, and, and then Ahmad really, you know, he kind of surprised me the most out of anybody this year. Uh, I admittedly had kind of pegged him as more of a score-first combo guard after his first two seasons. Um, and he even kind of, without calling me out, on the pod, the long view I held with both Shaq and Ahmad, but basically said, you know, one of his goals this year was to prove he's not just a score first guard. And that, you know, the reason it's come across that his first two G League seasons was because of like the roles he was being forced to kind of play with, you know, what was available because, you know, the hustle had issues in the bubble last year with available players and all that. So Ahmad responded this year, second in the G League with 8.1 assists per game. A top five player in assist turnover ratio. He really kind of flashed him being a, you know, pass first point guard while still, you know, scoring at what he averaged last year when I considered him, you know, a score first combo guard. Um, You know, for a guy that's 6'2", he crashes the boards really well at 5.7 a game. Um, I mean, really just a nightly triple-double threat. His size at the next level, like I said, 6'2", I want to say it's like 174 pounds. He's, you know, not the biggest guy by any means, but, you know, I, I think definitely if you're a team in need of, you know, an emergency point guard or, you know, even a backup point guard that you don't necessarily have to rely a ton on, he's worth giving a look. I mean, frankly, you know, with the Grizzlies offseason up ahead, I, I think, you know, if they can't afford Tyus, that they'll, you know, pursue, you know, a backup point guard in the draft. But if, you know, like they're they're clearly not going to get the Lakers pick at this point, um, we don't know who's going to be available in the 20s uh, unless Utah just continues to stumble. Ahmad Caver would not be a bad potential option to have as John Morant's backup. In Memphis I, I don't necessarily see that happening but the way he likes to facilitate the ball reminds me of Tyus um he, he actually to me has a little bit more you know it's a different game and he attacks the rim whereas you know Tyus uses the floater um but you know he's offensively well-rounded uh you know so I, I definitely think there's a spot for him in the league and kind of to go back on Shaq you know, he he's just one of those effort, energy guys out there that you know, can can be a flamethrower off the bench and get you some points, some highlight plays, hustle. Um, I guess pun intended. But both those guys just work their tails off, and I think there's always a spot in the league for guys who, you know, just play with such intensity that they do.
1: Yeah, for sure. You know, I think one thing that you you added on on Caper that's an interesting note. An interesting note you know, if there is a situation where Tyus Jones is priced out or gets a starting gig somewhere or something like that, you know, you can slide Caver in. And with, with the way the Grizzlies have been playing here lately and, you know, kind of prioritizing not necessarily having like a true backup point guard, like they can have Caver in those spots. You know, maybe he's in the de facto Col- Culver role. But, you know, that's also just a testament to how he's evolved this game. So for one, you're saying that Ahmad, uh, listen to your criticism and your hustle reports to round out his game and become a more natural floor leader. Is that right? He, he didn't mention me by name.
0: Um, so, you know, I, I don't know many other people covering the G League, so I, I kind of took it as, you know, not like a slight against me, but just that he wanted to prove he was more than just a score first guard. know, probably getting some feedback as well from agents, you know, scouts, things like that. Um, but at the same time, yeah, I'm going to take some credit and be like, Oh, I helped motivate him and he shut me up, you know, with his 8.1 assists per game. I mean, for the, for majority of the G league season, he was top five in both assists and steals per game. Uh, Lexi, the hustle social media manager, um, nicknamed him the cookie monster and there's just an incredible photoshop picture of him and kind of like a cookie monster type thing with cookies and it's just I mean he he really stood out to me this year I gotta say I I expected major leaps from both him and check and they both didn't let me down but just his all-around play and the way he was able to stay composed all season really
1: just stood out to me for sure. No, that that is really cool. And also, too, just the fact that, you know, we, we kind of see it more and more where our, it, it's not that our weight, it's our that our words hold that much weight, but, you know, they're seen. And I think that's just a cool example right there. And obviously, I think a lot of people are rooting for either one of those two guys. I know, especially Shaq Buchanan, you know, people are rooting for him to take a two way spot eventually uh, It makes makes a whole lot of sense, in my opinion. But um, I do want to ask you about the two, two ways this year. I mean, obviously, we've talked about uh, Keely and Tilly ad nauseum, um, and he didn't really get a lot of time with the hustle, so it's really kind of tough to evaluate him there. But with the, the two two-way guys, Eve Pons and Tyrell Terry, uh, just how, how do you think the season went for them? Like, do you see a pathway for a promotion for either one of them? Um, I, I don't know what their contract situation is, where it's a one-year two-way or a two, two-year two-way. So do do you see the pathway to promotion for either one of those guys? How did they perform this year? No. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's a good nah, sign. It,
0: it's uh, I mean, you know, the the Grizzlies front office has done such a good job building the team. I mean, they have the deepest team in the NBA, a, a team that's, you know, it's not it's a bad thing saying it. You don't say it to discredit Jaw, but it's a testament to Coach Jenkins and the team Zach Lyman's put together that they're 20 and 2 without Jaw. They beat the crap out of Phoenix last week with, with guys that played with the hustle. And you know, they're an insanely deep team. If, if there's one place you want to nitpick, it, it's the two-way guys. Eve Ponds, admittedly, um, has been injured off and on most of the year, so he never really got into a good rhythm. But just watching the games, he just never, he didn't jump out the way a two-way or an assignment player should. You know, when Josh Jackson was sent down to wear puppy jerseys, he was averaging 20 a game, just, you know, highlight dunks. You know, Pons had a couple of big dunks the other night, but it's just, uh, it, it just didn't stand out. He played nine games. I mean, he averaged nine point two points per game, forty eight point six percent from the field, upped his percentage to thirty eight point seven from three, which was nice because I had absolutely dogged his three point shooting, and then I think he shot like literally sixty percent from deep to end the season after I dogged it. So if if that's a sign of things to come, you know, there's a, a chance somewhere for him. Uh, he's on a one year two way deal, so I. You know, with some of the prospects that'll probably go undrafted in the draft, or with you know what the Grizzlies do with open roster spots, they may draft someone to fill that two-way spot. I I just don't see Ponds being a long-term valuable piece. He he's interesting in theory, but it's just one of those too many times what being at a game, watching a game and he's quiet and and you really just don't want that from a two-way player. Like he's not really, he was not even closing games. There's probably four or five guys on the hustle I would take on a two-way before ponds. And, you know, it it sounds kind of cruel, but it's just one of those. He, and he's not a guy that's going to jump off the box score, but he just, unless he was dunking the ball, he didn't stand out. Um, So Sean Coleman, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry to just totally kind of crap on your guy. But, you know, it's just the fit's not there for me with Memphis for Ponds. Um, Now, Tyrell Terry is interesting. Um, It took him a while to get back kind of in game shape. Um, I I don't know what he was doing before the Grizzlies signed him to a two-way, but he wasn't really playing basketball, I guess, because they they were very cautious and slow with bringing him up to speed. Um, he played in 16 games. The shooting efficiencies weren't there. Um, he's the guy where his size is a concern. He got knocked down a lot. Um, so many games where he's, you know, trying to draw fouls, you know, he's 6'2", 160, but you know, I feel like that's a soaking wet 160. And He just, you know, he didn't shoot the ball like he did last season with the hustle. Um, He had some good moments, but he just, like, he missed the last probably 10 to 15 games with the foot injury. Um, He aggravated it uh, on the road trip and just, you know, it wasn't the ending he wanted. Um, But there's enough promise there to where I wouldn't be surprised if he's brought over you know, still on his two-way heading into training camp next year. Or if he kind of gets a little bit of, of the, the Sean McDermott treatment where, you know, he may not be on a two-way, but they, they convince him to sign an E10 deal and he spends next year in the hustle kind of really getting comfortable in the system, you know, growing into his body, things like that. Um, so he's definitely the more intriguing player. Um, out of the two two-way guys, um, neither one really stood out, to be honest. Um, again, like at times, Terry was the Hustle's third best point guard behind Caver and David Stockton. Now, granted, those two guys are very good G League point guards, but you, you kind of want your two-way guys to stand out the, the way a Frank Mason does with the South Bay Lakers, just for example. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens, you know, especially because two-way guys are so easy to cut bait if you need to. Um, but Terry being on a two-year two-way, I think he'll at least probably be around through training camp. But I, I'd, I'd be pretty surprised if we see Ponds in Memphis unless unless he just does a straight G League stint.
1: Yeah, I I totally understand. I think Pons is also, at least when it comes to the uh, Grizzlies roster construction, he's also kind of like a victim of, you know, he's this weird forward hybrid, big man hybrid, where it's like he's not big enough to play center, um, but doesn't really have the shooting to really play on the perimeter a whole lot. You know, you see at the back half of the roster with, you know, Killian Tilly, Pons, Xavier Tillman, uh, Santi Aldama where they're they're just kind of this like weird I mean kind of I, I don't want to say positionless but like that's how it is I mean they're forwards that are also bigs not sure but I mean I, I kind of echo your sentiment there and also too with Tyrell Terry, you know we're, we're all hoping that he can like turn that around I mean he was a very promising prospect in the 2020 draft class you know I'm seeing on our um, GBB consensus big board he was 13th on our big board. And I, I want to say everyone, or at least six to seven of us had him top 20, while two of them had him top five or top uh top 10. So I mean, people like him. I know Kevin O'Connor was a big fan of him. They're so promised. But yeah, you know, you want to you want to get him comfortable. I mean, especially, you know, um given uh what happened in his maps you just want to get comfortable because he does have that talent and you know we're not we're not trying to use this to you know hate on the two way players i mean there's no reason to to be honest you know it was just kind of assessing how they've been playing because a lot of people aren't really exposed to them but at the same time too those two way spots are really good developmental a- avenues and you're just not going to keep a two way guy on for more than 2 years so you really kind of have got to have that quick evaluation process if that all makes sense well
0: well especially with the way you know The Grizzlies have had two-way success with John Conchar. Um, Uta Watanabe really kind of blew up with the Raptors, but, you know, he kind of grew with the hustle. Killing Tilly obviously got promoted from his two-way this year, and, you know, we we talked – I can't remember if we wrote about it or just talked about it, but, like, we were pretty surprised when the Grizzlies were able to re-sign Tilly on a two-way deal and not some sort of guaranteed contract. Um, you know but at the same time too if the biggest gripe we can really find is oh the two-way players weren't amazing that's a pretty dang good problem to have and you know it's one of those one of those two where I you know always like to say you know G League assignments are all different you know from just playing NBA games you know so ponds you know I always felt ponds was kind of forcing some three-point shots, um, you know, not really getting settled in the games, but that could have been part of, you know, his assignment with the hustle was to put up shots. Like, I mean, I remember back when Ivan Rabb was with the Grizzlies and he was on assignment, you know, it, like he was basically trying to average like three or four three-point attempts per game to show he can space out the floor, you know. So it is hard sometimes to evaluate two-way guys because – you know, they're not necessarily trying to show you what they can do. They're trying to get real-time real, real time reps of things that they're really working on. And, I mean, admittedly, Pond, you know, like I mentioned earlier, went on a hot shooting streak literally like the day after I dogged him in a hustle report in his three-point shooting. But I do think, you know, it's a little telling that in the game against Phoenix last Friday where – you know taylor jenkins goes 10 deep in the regular season religiously um if he has 10 available guys 10 guys are playing and even before he got ejected he was rolling with a nine-man rotation with ponds as the only healthy body not playing so to, to me that kind of you know there may be nothing there but it also stands out a little bit as oh that's interesting like he couldn't get you know a a few of those minutes alongside Jarrett Culver, um, you know, so it's a a little, um, you know, to me, that's a little telling of where he's at, but, you know, like I said, if if the biggest gripe with the roster is the two way guys weren't super amazing, then that's a pretty damn good problem to have.
1: Absolutely. No, I totally understand that. And it's going to be interesting too, how they, you know, continue approaching that and how they continue to develop uh, guys between the Grizzlies and the Hustle. Obviously, you didn't really kind of get that same luxury this season, but, you know, fingers crossed, knocking on wood that next year is a little close to normal. But, Brandon, I want to close with this. And uh, obviously, March Madness just ended yesterday after Kansas is winning in the national championship game. And I want to ask you, out of, you know, our March Madness stars, which one do you want to see become a hustle star or as we like to call it, an Abraham All-Star? Who, who's your guy?
0: So the guy that's probably the most realistic, um, just based looking at um, you know, mock drafts, things like that, um, if Christian Brown is available with the Grizzlies pick at presumably 29, I will, and, and they, if they select him, I will just go ecstatic. Um, can shoot the ball, does a little bit of everything, talks trash, just an absolute guy that just, I've I found fun watching this year. Um, so I'm, I'm going to kind of have it into three territories just because, you know, there's so many Abraham All-Stars.
1: Um, oh, yeah, for sure. You, you got to have multiple. Let, <laughs> let's hear it.
0: Uh, Tevin Brown, Murray State, um, you know, we, we we're talking off the record earlier. Uh, he just signed with uh, Jaws Agency. I, I, I feel like he's destined to play with Shaq in the hustle next year, um, kind of get that Murray State pipeline through out through South Haven. Um, and then I was disappointed because – my dreams have already been crushed that Doug Eater, the St. Peter's peacock is entering the transfer portal and not declaring for the draft. I was hoping he was going to ride the peacocks high from the March Madness success into, you know, maybe an undrafted late second round pick type player. Um, Cause he, I mean, he's already 22 years old, um, older than Tyrell Terry just for, Um, perspective sake and I was really hoping he would declare and you know even if it wasn't with the hustle but he just screams dude that would be fun in the G League the stash just draining threes so I'm a little bummed on that that he's gonna enter the transfer portal but you know when we recap the hustle season next year he'll be at the top of my list but Christian Brown or uh, if you watched the national championship last night, it was fun watching Charles Barkley change the way he pronounced his last name every single time he flip flopped between Brown and Braun, I think 100 times but that Christian is definitely the Abraham all star I'm eyeing the most in the draft and it's it's almost Sam Merrill levels of love of how much I really want the Grizzlies to go get him.
1: So I should probably go ahead and sharp him in as like top 20 or lotto on your big board this year? It's a little early for that.
0: I'll definitely probably be higher on him than others. But at the same time, too, him having a, a good tournament run and really kind of helping get Kansas back into that game to help set up the comeback. You know, it's going to make him a little bit more popular, which you know, I mean, I'll still be very high on him, but it kind of takes away from the Abraham All Star luster. Mm-hmm. So, I'm I'm not totally locked in as him being, I guess, the guy based on you know what other you know how much he rises or falls now that the college basketball season's over. But it, he's been a guy I've been watching all year long and just been like thinking. Yeah, I want I want him in hustle red, just shooting eight threes a game, talking trash, and it would just be a ton of fun.
1: For sure. And, you know, with, with Doug entering the portal, we, we can all only just hope or dream, hope and dream, that uh, Doug either ends up a uh, Memphis Tiger for our sake, a Ole Miss Rebel for my sake, or a Alabama Crimson Tide for your sake. Or hey, he could just surprise us all and go to the mocks, though. That that would be oh, a yeah. dream.
0: That 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 would be super ideal. Um, but no, I think Doug will end up I mean, I, I don't want to discredit him. He's a solid player, but part of me feels a little bit like he probably peaked this year, which is why I was expecting him to declare and enjoy that high because you know the he he played. He had a good stretch of games in March, but what's he going to do if he's playing at the SEC level? I mean, I mean, if he balls out, then he's it's going to be great. But if he struggles, he he might have cost himself some money. But shout out NIL. He'll still make some dough.
1: for sure. And he definitely secured the bag with the NIL with uh, his run in the March Madness. But Brandon, that's all I got for you. Do you have anything else to add before we close here?
0: No, nah, I'm good. Uh, you know, it, it, just one final thought on the hustle season as a whole. Uh, at one point, they were six and fourteen, and just nowhere. You know, the playoffs weren't even a thought at the time. They were hurt. They were six and fourteen, following the two and seven start. Just, just terrible, terrible luck, really you know, a lot of close losses or games where it just came down to one quarter that they sucked and then that just sucked all the life out of them. But the fact that they were going into the final game of the season with a shot at the playoffs and that, you know, with hindsight being 20-20, a win would have put them in the playoffs is pretty remarkable and a testament to the job that Jason March, his staff, have done, what Ahmad and Shaq did as leaders on the team, uh, they finished the season at 15 and 19. So they, uh, once they got healthy and enough bodies to where they're not just wearing themselves out, you know, they prove they can compete with the best. And, you know, so I think, you know, that's something when you look at it and evaluate, you can't just look at the 15 and 19. You've got to look at the stretches of the season and kind of look at the, uh, like they were like nine and four when healthy in a sense. So it's, uh, you know, a ton of fun covering the team. Wish they'd been able to make the playoffs, but, you know, I'm looking forward to year six. And as always, you can follow me on Twitter at bc BCAbraham. Uh, you know, switching over to Grizzlies coverage as we gear up for the playoffs, but if anything happens, Hustle related, you know where to find it.
1: That's right. You definitely need to follow Mr. Hustle, Brandon Abraham, for all the work that he does with the – Hustle in the Grizzlies. Uh, he's, he's definitely one of one when it comes to covering the G League and his uh, level of f- expertise at doing so. So make sure you all toss him and follow at BC Abraham. And make sure you tune into his season-ending hustle report on grizzlybibliolos.com. Follow me on Twitter at Paca underscore Flock and make sure you're leaving a five-star review and just an astounding review and subscribing to the Grizzly Blues Podcast Network. So, you get every single episode of our four podcasts on the network. And follow the blog on Twitter at SBN Grizzlies. Read all of our work at grizzlybearblues.com. And that's it.